man, I, I hope that there's been a moment in your life when you have been changed by the blood of Jesus. Because there's no other way to be forgiven. No other way to know true peace without the blood of Jesus. You know, if, if you had one of those moments that, that God just grabbed you and spoke to you, um, where, where God just kind of woke you up, that's my prayer. If I'm going to summarize today, it's, it's in just a, a sentence, or I would summarize it like this. I pray God wakes us up today. I pray we leave this place awake. You know, um, years ago, I was a youth pastor. Before I came to be your pastor, I was a youth pastor in Oklahoma City, and I was at one church for 19 years. And when you're, when you're at a place for a long time, it's easy to just kind of go through the motions. Have you found that in your life? It's easy to slip into being lethargic in your walk with the Lord. And, and one day, I, I, I felt like that's where we were as a church, as, as a ministry. And, and, I, and I went to bed this night, and it's one night, and I, I just was burdened. I went to bed burdened. I woke up in the middle of the night, and it was just like I couldn't sleep. God was just convicting me and, and moving me, and, and I was thinking about um, where we were. And I, and I said, Lord, I need you. I need you to speak to me. So I get up in the middle of the night, and I'm in my living room, and, I'm, and I just said, Lord, I'm not going to bed till you speak to me. I'm not going to go to sleep till you speak. I need you so desperately right now. I don't know if you've ever been there, where you're like, Lord, I need you to speak right now. So I thought, okay, what do I need? Wisdom. Okay, I'm going to go to Proverbs. That's the book of wisdom, right? So I just started reading the book of Proverbs. And, and, and I just confronted the Bible, like, Lord, I'm not going to just stop until you speak to me. And, I, and I'm reading through Proverbs, and I get to Proverbs 10.5. And it was like God just stopped me at Proverbs 10.5. It says this, he who gathers crops in the summer is a wise son, but he who sleeps during the harvest is a disgraceful son. And so I, I just stopped at that verse. I thought, okay, okay, Solomon is writing in a, to an agrarian society, a bunch of farmers. And so, of course, I, my first church was in Thomas, Oklahoma, where you know, I, I was there during a wheat harvest. And I don't know if you've been in a small country town during wheat harvest, but, man, I'm telling you what, it was busy. I mean, wheat harvest, they were out there. Those farmers were out there checking that wheat. And as soon as that wheat was ready, man, they got busy. And it was harvest time. And so tractors and combines are just flying around. Big semis are flying around town because there was a window of time for that harvest to be harvested or it would, it would spoil. So as I, as I read that verse in that, that middle of the night, I was like, okay, Lord, okay, Proverbs 10.5, Matthew 9. Okay, remember what Jesus said in Matthew 9? As he's with his disciples and he, he grabs them together, he says, guys, guys, look, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he sends workers into his field. And it dawned on me, oh my goodness, that's us. That's my church. That's my student ministry. And I got on my knees and I said, Lord, I, I don't want to be asleep during harvest time. And so I committed that morning, middle of the night, that I said, Lord, I'm awake today. And I'm going to, as long as you give me breath, I'm going to go back to my church tomorrow, and we're going to get awake. We're going to wake up. And, and I've committed to the Lord. Lord, as long as you give me breath, I'm going to live awake. Three years ago, as your pastor, I was 
praying about our church and saying, you know, look, here was a new year starting, and I thought, I need a, I need a gospel challenge. And I committed to the Lord, I'm going to have every year, for the rest of my life, every year, I'm going to have a specific gospel challenge. And, and as I prayed about that in my own life, I thought, Lord, here I am a pastor today. And, and as long as you allow me to have a place to preach and a, and a people to, to, to be a part of, I'm going to bring that gospel challenge to, to my church. And so here we are starting 2020. Can you believe we're about to start 2020? Are you kidding me? Isn't that further than Michael Keaton and, uh, and like Back to the Future? Wasn't that, I can't remember what that day was. But, um, but, but it's 2020. Oh, my goodness. Almost. And, and here we are. And can I tell you, it's my prayer that we are a church that is awake. Why? Because God in all his sovereignty and all his wisdom has called us to live at this time in the history of the world. And he's called us to live in this place. And he's done that for a reason. And it's my prayer that, that, that we embrace a new gospel challenge as 2020 comes into view. And if you have your bulletin, it's, it's on the front of it. And we're going to talk about it this week, and, and the ne- next week's really when we're going to focus in on it. But, but, but this week's really preparation for it. You know, when you think about, I'm standing on a platform, not a stage. It's a platform. You know, this is the platform God has given me as a pastor. Do you know that you have a platform? You have a platform where you live and, and the people that you, you influence. Yeah, you may not stand on this platform and, and preach like I'm doing today, but can I tell you, you have a platform, whether it's being a teacher or a nurse or, a, or, a, or a whatever you do. Do you know that God is purposeful about what you do? And in your course of life, God takes you around people that, that if I entered those spaces, they'd probably think it's weird. They, they probably wouldn't even listen to me. You're a preacher, I'm not going to listen to you, but they'll... They wouldn't listen to me, but they may listen to you. And so my prayer is that, that we as a church understand that God has given us a platform. And next week, we're going to look at Matthew 9, 35 through 38. And here's a challenge that I want, us to, I want you to begin working on. I want to challenge you with. Let's begin memorizing Matthew 9, 35 through 38. And it's my prayer that as a, as a body, this is a verse that's committed to memory in our lives. But, but, you know, when I think about our call to be awake, man, it's, uh, Proverbs 10.5 wakes me up. Matthew 9 wakes me up. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. Turn there with me this morning, 2 Peter chapter 3, because this is another passage that wakes me up. In fact, when you look at 2 Peter, I mean, the primary reason Peter wrote this book is, is that he was striving and God was using him to wake believers up and to help them recognize that, that you can't just go through the motions of following the Lord. And, and this is something that I pray we don't do. That we're not a, that, that, that we're not a church that goes through the motions, but we, we have, are passionate about serving the Lord. And, and, and we, we've seen this. And all through Scripture, you, you see these people that have gone through the motions. Remember Acts 20 and Eutychus? Remember Eutychus? Uh, I mean, Eutychus is the guy that all through the history of eternity, 
Uh, all through eternity, it's going to be no. We're going to get to heaven, and we're going to meet Eutychus. And we're going to, oh, you're the guy. I know, I know. I'm the guy that fell asleep when Paul was preaching, and he fell out the window. Acts 20 talks about that. I mean, isn't it going to be cool to walk up and go, Eutychus, oh, I know you. Yeah, I know. I know. But how often do we fall asleep? And go through the motions and, and, and forget the power of the song we just sang. What can wash away my sins? The blood of Jesus washed our sins away. Oh, my goodness. He forgave us. He cleansed us. And now in 2 Peter 3, stand with me this morning. Now, I've got a major task in the next 30 minutes, which we're going to process this entire chapter, which is impossible for me, but to do in 30 minutes, but we're going to just swing for the fence here. Okay, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. This is now the second letter I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed, existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and works and the works that are done on it will be exposed." Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these things, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Just as our beloved Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. 
but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, what a cool passage. What an amazing passage of Scripture here. Now, point number one, if you're following in our notes, and, and is this. We've got to remember the predictions of the prophets and the commandments of God. Now, now look at verse 1. This is how the second letter I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that, that we're to stir up our minds. And, and Peter's doing this. He's, he's stirring up our minds by reminding the believers something very important, that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior through the apostles. Okay, so uh, like we've come out of Christmas and we've, we've looked at how these prophets predicted the coming of Christ, that the Messiah was going to come to save the world. Do you know what the prophets also predicted? The prophets also predicted a day of judgment that is coming. And folks, this is the apostles, and, and they predicted these things. And, and Peter reminds us, we've got to remember what they've predicted. We've got to remember the commandments of God. That God has laid out some commandments that are, that are right and that lead us to stability and, 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 and peace. And, and, it's, and, they're, and they're strong. They're, it's stable ground. You know, that, that's the, the promises of God. Is, it's stability. It's a rock that, that when the storms come, like we just sang, Lord, I'm going to sing in the storm. Why? Because the promises of God bring stability in, regardless of what storms come. And in Oklahoma, we know storms, don't we? We know these things. We had a tornado warning yesterday. Is that right? I love Oklahoma. I love it. Then he says this. Knowing first of all, verse 3, look at this. Knowing first of all that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. What's a scoffer? What does a scoffer say? A scoffer is someone that says, you know, this isn't true, Make, making fun of. That's what a scoffer does. He, he scoffs at you. He makes fun of you. He, he challenges you. He, he, he confronts you. And, and the Bible tells us, Peter says, in the last days there's going to be people going, man, this isn't true. You, you don't really believe this, do you? And that's the world we're living in. We live in a world that looks at us and say, do you guys really believe the Bible? This is why we have a goal every time someone gets up on this platform to preach the word, that, that we're in the word within the first five to seven minutes of a sermon. I better not get up and just share my own uh, wisdom with you. I'll run out real fast. We need the word of God. We need to study the word of God. Why? There's scoffers that are going to come. And what are they? they're, they're going to follow their own sinful desires, it says. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. And this is just the argument. People say, okay, people have been talking about a coming judgment forever, right? I mean, even uh, one of my preachers I like to read is, is uh, Charles Spurgeon. And I have a Spurgeon bobblehead in my office. And, and and he wrote about uh, people in his day. He lived in, in, in England a long time ago. And, and 
And, in, and even in his day, people would write these books about, hey, Jesus is going to come back by this date. And his, his advice was, if you're going to write a date or write a book about the coming of Christ and name a date, make sure you're smart enough to put that date after you're dead. Because when, that com- when, it, when it, the date comes and goes, you know, it's less embarrassing because you're already gone, all right? And so we live in a day where people do scoff, though, at this fact that Jesus didn't come back, but he is. And the Bible says, so we've got to realize that skeptics have arrived, so we shouldn't be surprised or worried about this. We shouldn't be sweating the skeptics. Look at this, verse 5. For they deliberately overlook this fact that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, that God started all this. God spoke into creation, and then that by means of these in the world that, that existed was deluged with water and perished. That's talking about Noah, and, the, and God commanded the seas to open up, and the earth was destroyed, verse 7. But by the same words, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Now, this is one of those wake-you-up passages and I can remember as a kid hearing sermons like this preached, and I'm getting real nervous. I remember I grew up in one of these churches, that, a Baptist church, that, man, we were showing the picture of, uh, or the movie of the rapture. And, and I remember one time, as like, I was in second grade or something, I got home from school, and no one was home, and that was unusual. And I thought the rapture had come, and I was left behind. And I stood, sat in my yard going, God, I'm left behind. Oh, my goodness. And then I saw my brother, and I was like, oh, you're left behind too. Oh, no. And um, I thought I missed it man, because I'm sure if I wasn't there, my brother wasn't, I know he was mean, um, but you know what, here's the reality, there is a coming judgment, the Bible's clear on this, it says, verse 8, look at this, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the, with the Lord, one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is his one day. You know, we, we get all nervous about, you know, people have been predicting this a long time. Is it ever going to happen? But we've got to recognize God is never bound by, by our timetable, right? God's not on my timetable here. We're on his timetable. And what does it say? This verse 9 is so beautiful. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness but is patient towards you. Aren't you grateful for that? Oh, my goodness, I'm grateful that God has been patient towards me. I'm grateful that that he is patient towards you. And and, and look at this. He's, He's not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And see, it's God's desire that, that all reach repentance, and, the, and people need to know the Lord. And so God, in all his wisdom, in all his knowledge, in all his, his sovereignty, was planted us here at this place, at this time in the history of the world. And it's our, this is why missions is important. This is why us being a church that is awake is important. This is why us recognizing that God keeps his word. That God is going to accomplish and do everything he said he would do. And this is one of those passages that, that, that wakes us up. 
And it's my prayer that we live awake. You know, it's interesting from, from the very beginning, the, the, the judgment reality didn't come, didn't start with like Peter and John. You know where it started? It started way back. Let me give you some scriptures. Back as far as the days of Enoch, God warned of a coming judgment. And you know, the reality is um, we need to still preach that hell, fire, and brimstone message because that's what's that's coming. And it is. You know, many of the prophets announced the day of the Lord. Like, for example, I mean, if you want to write these scriptures down, I'm going to go through them quickly. I'm not going to read them all. But Isaiah 2, 10 through 12, Isaiah talked about the day of the Lord. Isaiah 13, 6 through 16, there's a day of the Lord. Jeremiah 30, verse 7. Daniel 12, 1. You can read the prophet Joel. Amos 5, 18 through 20. Read what Zephaniah wrote, the prophet Zephaniah. Zechariah 12 through 14, 3. That talks about the day of the Lord. Jesus talked about the day of the Lord in the Sermon on the Mount. And, and he talked about there's a coming judgment. And people say, oh, well, well let's, let's just hear the words of Jesus. We need to not talk about judgment. Let's talk about Jesus. Well, Jesus talked about it a lot. Think about the, the, um, the parables that we've just studied. Jesus pointed to the coming judgment. Paul discussed it in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 2 Thessalonians 1 and 2. The Apostle John described a terrible day in Revelation 6, chapter 6 through 19. And folks, the, the reality is history is moving to a time of tribulation. The Bible talks of, talks of great tribulation. And it's a, it's a, it uses the word thumos, which means explosive anger. And folks, we, we misread the Bible when we interpret that Jesus just, we got to love like Jesus. When we misunderstand his warnings of judgment are wonderfully loving he tells us about judgment because he loves us. And it's his patience in delaying judgment right now. It moves us to repentance. And this is a reality. God's patience moves us to repentance. But when you think about, flip over to Colossians 3, 5, and 6. What, what, what causes God's wrath? What is it that causes God's wrath? Have you thought about that? Well, it says this, put to death, therefore, whatever, Colossians 3, 5, and 6, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Folks, because of our sin, the wrath of God is coming. Romans 1.18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness and men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. So what is all this telling us? Is that God's wrath is being poured out because of sin. But here's the problem. We, we have this tendency to wink at sin and think sin's not that big a deal. We tend to look and go, well, I'm better than that guy. Or my sin's not as bad as their sin. 
But the reality is sin, all of it, has come at an incredible cost. Think about this. God hates sin so much that he entered human history. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He gave his son. Jesus entered human history and went to the cross. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, 2 Corinthians 5 tells us. Now, he doesn't laugh at sin. He doesn't wink at sin and go, that's no big deal. My, my pastor, Mark Hartman, um, shaped my life. He, I served with him for about nine years of my ministry. And he would tell this story that was, I'm going to tell you. He, he talked, he said, imagine, let's say that you have a, have a son. And, and your son is, is, you get him a car and he's driving and, and, and one day uh, he's driving down the highway and a drunk driver gets on the wrong side of the road and hits him. You get the phone call. It's been an accident and you show up at the scene. And there you see the car that you had purchased, the broken glass, and you can see your son through the, the window, and you see the people, the medical people working on him, and they get him out, and, and you're standing there by his side, and he's, he's very injured. And, and then all of a sudden, you follow him to the hospital, you get in the ambulance, you go to the hospital with him, and he, and he dies on the way, and you're there. And you're devastated, you're broken, you're... You can't sleep. You can't eat. And about three days after the funeral, you're at a restaurant. And there's people next to you. And they're drinking. And someone says, hey, man, you shouldn't drive. Ah, you know what? I'm, it's no big deal. It's no big deal if I drive. You know what? If, if I'm driving somebody, I'm drunk, but if I'm driving, they should just get out of my way. Imagine you being a parent hearing that, going, wait. He said, that is a little glimpse of how God sees sin. May he never find us winking at sin. Because what did God do? God came here. God the Son came here. became sin for us. So you got to recognize sin is devastating. And it's so devastating, the wrath of God is coming against sin. And it's, the Bible points to this day. Now look at verse 10. What does it say? But the day of the Lord will come like a thief and the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. That sounds like a tough day. I don't know, doesn't it? That sounds like a day of, that's a day of judgment. Now, the day of the Lord 
is a, let's carefully distinguish between these days when the Bible talks about these days. The day of the Lord is that day of judgment that climaxes with the return of Christ. Okay, that, that's the day that's going to come. The prophets have spoken about this. Just like we can trust that Jesus came as a baby, we can trust that the prophets have spoken that the day of the Lord is coming, a climax of days. And then look at verse, um, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, verse 11, what sort of people ought, ought we to be in, the, in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming day of God? Now, the day of God, 2 Peter 3, 2, 2, 3.12 here, that's that period of time that's coming, and the Bible points to this, that there, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And you know, as believers, we're going to enjoy that. I mean, I mean, we live in this day of global warming, doomsday apocalypse. I think that's true. The Bible tells us that's true. I mean, I don't need a climatologist to tell me that. The Bible's been proclaiming this from the beginning. Now, we should be responsible with our world. I'm not saying that. But, but folks, a day's coming. And, and the day of God points to the fact there's going to be a day that this world is going to be restored. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. John 14 tells about this. I'm come to prepare a place for you. I mean, John, John 14, beautiful passage. Then there's a day of Christ uh, that relates to the, the day that Christ is coming for the church. 1 Corinthians 1 talks about this. The Christ is going to come. And the um, day of Christ... Now, look at verse 12. Waiting for and hastening the coming day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Now, we know that this is a tough day. The Bible talks about the great day of tribulation. Now, biblical students, when it comes to the tribulation, they... They fall into one of three categories. When the Bible speaks of a judgment, a coming judgment, there are some that believe that Christians and God's people will be taken prior to that day of tribulation. There, there are some that believe that that, that tribulation, that, that midway through that time of tribulation, Christians will be taken. There are some that believe that at the end of the tribulation, Christians will be taken. And, and all three of those, there are godly people that, that, that will hold to each one of those views. And you can be biblically accurate and honest. The, the, the reality is we don't know all the details. We can wrestle with them, and we can have opinions on them. But uh, I like what, my, what Dr. Evans, who passed away not too long ago, he's one of my favorite professors at OBU, when I took his class on eschatology, and he looked at us and said, boys, we kept saying, Dr. Evans, what are you? What kind of millennialist are you? And he finally said, well, I'm a pan-millennialist. It's all going to pan out in the end. And I like that. But one of the things that we know is for certain, point number two is this. We know this. The second coming of Christ is coming. Folks, it's coming. And we better be awake that's why we have to be a church that's awake. I don't know if we'll get to see it. It's not up to me. It's not, it's not on my timetable. 
But I'll tell you something super insightful, and you'll think, man, you are a smart pastor. It's closer today than it's ever been. You'll think about that later. But here's what we know about it. It's going to come at an unexpected time. Here's another thing we know about it. It will be marked by the destruction of this world and the creation of a new heaven and a new earth. We know this. The Bible speaks to this. Matthew 24, 40 through 42. It says it's going to be like this. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. Then verse 42, therefore stay awake for you do not know on what day the Lord is coming. As we move into 2020, let's move in awake. We don't know when the Lord's going to come. We don't know. But I know this, that the Bible speaks of two judgments. One is a judgment for non-believers. And if you die without Christ, there is no hope. There's no hope for you. And, and I can't make it sound better. I can't put a wrapper on it and ease it. If you die without Christ, there's no hope. And, and this is why we must be awake as a church and have a sense of urgency with the gospel. This is why, this is why a gospel challenge must be a reality for us, must be embraced by us. And it's my prayer that you as a church Push me and hold me accountable to be a pastor focused on the gospel. And I'll do my best as a, as a pastor to push us and challenge you to be focused on the gospel. But Romans 14 talks about we will all stand before God's judgment seat. This is for believers. The lost will stand before the Lord at the great white throne judgment. You and I, as believers, if you're a believer in Christ today, you'll be at the judgment seat of Christ. We'll stand before the judgment seat. And now that's not a judgment to determine whether or not I'm saved or not because we are saved by grace through faith in Christ. That's how we're saved. But folks, don't be mistaken. We will stand before a judgment seat of Christ. And, and we've got to realize that. And pay attention to that. The, 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 the parables speak to that over and over again. Did you... Did, we heard that already this, this fall. But, but when it comes to Romans 14, 10 through 12, we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So when I think about that, we'll give an account of ourselves. You know, I think about point number three, it's so important for us. Christ's return, his return impacts everyday life for us. It's got to impact our everyday life. When I think about this call, uh, therefore, beloved, verse 14, since you are waiting for these things, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace and count the patience of the Lord as salvation. Just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. I mean, the patience of God is, I'm grateful for it. 
And right now, God is being patient with us. But let's not take advantage of his patience. Don't do that. And, and there's some that are pushing us to take advantage of the patience of God. But look at verse 16 uh, or 15. And count, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and the unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. Folks, there are some that twist the scriptures to their own destruction. That's why we need to know the word of God. That's why I want to plug our class on Wednesday nights coming up in a a week from this Wednesday. You ought to come. We're not going to try to do a little entertainment for you. That was my attempt at dancing right there. As a Baptist preacher, that's not too bad, right? I mean, I was a running man. I, I always wished I could dance. Um, but, but you know what? We're not going to entertain you. But we're going to spend an hour and a half on Wednesday nights learning proper hermeneutics. That's a big word. But it's learning how to study the Bible, how to interpret Scripture. Come on Wednesday nights and look at this. When I think about this judgment, what are we going to give an account for? I think we're going to give an account for how pure our life was. What did I think about? Where did I spend my money? How did I live? As a believer, I don't work for my salvation. Know that. We work from our salvation. We don't work for it. But I'll tell you what, our purity matters. The purity of our life matters. What do we laugh at? What do we, what do we dwell on? Who, who influences us? I think we're going we're gonna to give an account for how much God could count on us. I want to be a church that God, count, God can count on us to be in this, spot, in this spot. You know, the Bible says that there are some churches that their lampstand is removed. Their light is removed. I pray that we are so faithful within our generation that when, if God tarries and we pass the baton to, to a next generation, that they're passing the baton of faithfulness to the scriptures and faithfulness to the gospel. I'll tell you what, that's the legacy we must leave. Could God count on us? Another one I think about is how, 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 do we stand, how strong did we stand for the Lord? Are we going to be a people that, didn't, that can't stand strong for the Lord? Or are we going to stand strong for him? When I think about what that everyday life looks like, look at this passage. Verse 16, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen, he says. That, that, that we're in this meantime, in this moment of, of God's patience, 
for us to be a people where, where, where holiness is a passion for us. God, we're going we're gonna to live holy lives. We're going to live lives that, 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 that are, are honoring to you. That, that, that godliness is a practice for us. That, that we're, we're practicing godly lives. We're living godly lives. That's a practice in our lives. I pray we push one another to that. Where, where Scripture is understood. I pray that we are a, a people where Scripture is, we understand the Word of God. Where error, it's recognizable. And can you recognize error? Can you recognize these things? Where, where growth, look at this, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Growth is measurable. And we're going to measure growth. We're, we're, we're growing in, in, in grace with one another. In knowledge of the, of the word of God and the presence of God. Folks, we've got to be awake. We've got to wake up. Okay? Let's live awake. So are you awake? And are you here today without Christ? That that blood of Christ has not washed away your sins. Because that, that's a moment that, that you need to be able to look back on. And I pray that and if you can't look back on a moment where Christ has saved you and washed your sins away, oh, there's no better way to start a year than start that with the forgiveness of God. That's a tough message today. Judgment is a reality and it moves us to urgency to walk with the Lord, to wake up, to surrender to the Lord, to stop flirting with sin and winking at it and recognize the devastation that sin brings to our lives. Oh, it's devastating. How do I know this? Because John 10.10 says, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. I'll come and know the full life that Jesus offers to you.